0: Atomic gigantic occasion was a sweeping Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude. A common of the greatest kicker of Japan and of all men. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host Elijah, and joining me, as always, my lovely co-host and editor. Hello, I am Rex. Why, why are you so like down? What? Like what? Everybody have fun tonight. What are you on about? <laughs> you're like you're. I'm like at a a ten, and you're like at a, a four. I'm sorry, I have a different voice to you. But how have you been?
0: Well, like I said, good.
1: <laughs> Anything new and exciting in your life or or what what's uh, what's going? What's going on?
0: I'ma be honest, if there was, I don't really remember
1: it. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't really remember a lot. Now you sound like me. Damn. Well, like earlier today, I, was, I, I texted Nathan because he, he – so I convinced him on buying Parasite Part 1 and Parasite Part 2 on Blu-ray through Funimation. Oh, good. And what was funny is what he, he does these TikTok videos, and so he posted it, and he, he like opened the box, and it was Parasite. But in the background, he had a 20th Century Boys DVD. Uh-huh. And it was the Banzai Entertainment Taiwanese DVD. And I was like, where did he get that? So I met, I replied to the tweet and I was like, where'd you get the 20th century boys DVD? And he said, he he replied with like this funny message. And I, I messaged him. I was like, Nathan, really? Where'd you, where'd you get that? <laughs> and he was like, you gave it to me. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you, you gave it to me. A couple months ago and I said, Really? And he said, Yeah. You you sold me Goemon and you like threw it in there. And I said, I did? <laughs> and he was like, Yeah. <laughs> and I was like,
2: Oh. Okay. This is news to me. Did you just accidentally give a- him <laughs>
1: well okay here's the thing I have that exact DVD and I have the Viz Pictures DVD I didn't realize somewhere I got a second Taiwanese release but I guess I did and I guess it ended up at Nathan's (laughs) like I didn't I didn't know I like I know (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) It was it was so weird, and he was like, "This is concerning." I'm like, "Well, it's my life, I guess." That's life. That's life, as as the great Frank Sinatra once said.
0: Mm. So, on on the topic of remembering things, have you watched any Tokusatsu recently?
1: Um. Okay, so this week I was very busy. Um. I've I've I had a video I had to edit for for a client and uh, actually right. I'm I'm just about done with it. I'm uh, I'm into the final stage of, of animation and then it's uh, get with them, have them watch it, make sure it looks good. And then I've officially finished that. And it sounds like I've got a second job with them, which will be pretty good.
2: Nice. But
1: uh, I had that. Um, I've been working on some stuff behind the scenes. Some stuff has occurred. Uh, I've been, I work, I've been writing an article that's going to hopefully by way, like this was out by the time this, this episode goes live. The, the article has probably been out for weeks. So uh, at the end of the episode, you'll hear me link that and uh, you can, you can check it out that way. Um, and then I've I've been I've been working and I've been like getting some loose ends and, and prepping for a little little project I'm working on uh that Ooh. should go live in December. So you know I've been I've been really busy. So I I did watch a tokusatsu movie and that was on Miyuji 2. Okay. Which was okay. I honestly it was kind of a Bland movie i don't know if it's i've i don't know if it was just the fact that i've been so busy that like i just haven't had time to like really hone in and get in the mood for a movie or if i've just you know it just wasn't it wasn't for me wasn't my thing i like the first on mayuji Mm -hmm. but no this this the sequel was was not up to par I actually I ended up having to try and watch it three times just because like <laughs> I, I i like got busy the first time and i didn't properly watch it the second time I fell asleep and the third time i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it, so I did that, but outside of that i've i've not really had much time unfortunately, yeah. what about you, Rex
0: uh, well, humorously in terms of movies i really haven't watched much of anything since Lost of the Dead. Or, not Lost of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead. (laughs) Um, Really? Yeah. I did watch one movie, but we'll have to discuss that film uh, later, you could say.
1: Okay. Um, How about, did you finish, like, Gamma Rebirth?
0: Yeah, so I finished Gamma Rebirth, and... Outside of that, I'm also halfway through ring the final chapter. And because because you've been watching your Death Note movies, I decided, you know what? I'll I'll give the anime another go. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So you started that? Yeah, restarted that. Nice. Nice.
0: I mean I like I really enjoyed what I saw the first time around. I just, for whatever reason, didn't end up finishing it. I got like almost a third of the way through last time.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, how's Ring the Final Chapter going?
0: It's certainly divergent more and more as it it goes along. (laughs) Okay. Ryuji is a completely different character to any other interpretation of him. (laughs) So... So i'm getting to the point where they're like just starting to talk about sadako but they've like the way that her mother shizuko's handled it in the movie is complete or in the show is completely different <laughs> to any other version as well and now they're also introducing elements of spiral with mm-hmm. there being a scene that's like you know the surgery scene in spiral like, at the beginning of the film, when, like, they're cutting open Ryuji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had a scene like that, except for, like, a different, like, a random dude that died. It's the guy who died, um... It's, like, the guy that, like, runs the cabin that Asakawa f- finds the tape in.
1: Gotcha,
2: gotcha, They do an okay.
0: autopsy on him instead of Ryuji.
2: Oh! <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is wildly different.
1: (laughs) Okay, and this is your final these the ring show, and then the spiral show is your last two ring things, right?
0: And also the Korean film.
1: Oh, the ring virus. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so the reason I
0: haven't seen the Korean one is literally just because I've seen the Nakata film like five times, (laughs) like the span of like. Probably like
1: eighteen months. <laughs> so you're just not wanting to rewatch the same thing? I just want to at least give it some time. <laughs> right, okay. Because I've sense. also
0: watched the ring, read the book, and I mean I I would include final chapter, but honestly, final chapter is so different that it's like mm-hmm. it's the same like The gist of the story is, honestly, it's so different that I don't even know if I could say the gist of the story is really the same because it's kind Mm -hmm. of not. Mm -hmm. Um, just with how significantly things have been changed. (laughs) Okay, it's it's a really different adaptation. It's kind of funny that I think apparently some people out there say it's like the most accurate adaptation of the novel. It is absolutely not. <laughs> huh. It it is probably the most different version telling of the story.
2: Okay, okay.
1: Well, I anxiously await hearing what you think of the overall show and its sequel show. So it's it's exciting because I mean we've we've watched you through this journey. <laughs> like as of this recording like this is basically the year mark almost mm-hmm. oh god yeah. um i mean so, i watched
0: ring for the first time like back in like march of last year i want to say
1: right but like your whole journey into the ring franchise <laughs> didn't really start until until my october spiral, of last year your spiral,
2: spiral. yeah yeah yeah
0: so and it no, all that's loops back to ring.
1: It does, it does. <laughs> you know, I've uh it's funny you mention ring, and I, I don't know why this is a thing that rhymed. Jesus. But I've had this like I've had a quote stuck in my mind, and it's funny because the quotes from the ring and like I just I I don't know. It's kind of weird. It just won't get out of my head, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe Sadako's about that, to, to, to kill fair. me.
0: Well, if it's if it's the American, if it's The Ring, then isn't it Samara?
1: Oh, yeah, I guess. I hate that name. I can't stand that. I can't stand it at all.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that movie's okay. I'm, I'm just not a huge fan of how Sadako is handled. It's not bad, Likewise. it's just
1: not my thing. <laughs> right, right. And so, the the quote I'm referring to specifically is, Here we go, the world is spinning. When it stops, it's just beginning. Sun comes up, we all laugh. And there's more, but like that's the part that I remember. Huh. I don't know why, but that's just been stuck in my head.
0: But ever since you watched the film?
1: No, like for the last week. Damn. Yeah, the, the full quote is here we go, the world is spinning. When it comes when it stops, it's just beginning. Sun comes up. We laugh and we cry. Sun goes down, we all die. Damn. So maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe maybe the ring virus. I don't has... even remember that line at all. I don't know why that stuck with me. But maybe the ring virus has has officially hit me well, I'm suddenly infected. I'm about I'm to spiral into this looping insanity but it's that will give me my that. new birthday. Wow, okay, okay, <laughs> so that means we've officially talked about ring too much because now we're on the same track. oh boy. So okay, I do want to know what did you because last recording you had only watched the first three episodes of Gamma Rebirth, and I couldn't talk about spoilers, right? So you've watched four and five and six, yes. right? There's six, yeah. So now, what do you think?
0: Um, I like I like it overall. Um, yeah, it. I, I, I'm i not a fan of the start, but I do think the show, it, it does, after the initial hiccup of those first two episodes, I think the show does get better. Mm-hmm. Not a huge, I, I, I don't, I wasn't really big on the last episode. I think, you, I think you were the one who was saying that you thought that one was the best, but honestly, I think I probably most enjoyed ep- episodes four and maybe five as well.
1: Well, I felt like episode six was the closest to an actual Gamora that we had throughout the entirety of the show. In like what way? So, in in in specifically episode six, Gamera appears to be a little more lifelike, a little more like energy in his character. He is a little more anthropomorphic. And I use that term lightly because I don't think that's the right term to use for Gamera. um but he felt more lively in uh-huh. contrast to the other I mean he also was in that episode more than any other right. episode um so he had more time to shine, but it started to feel like the Gamera that I remember because gamma up until rebirth all has. A, like, this aura to the character that you know is Gamera. Rebirth I mean, I think, felt...
2: I think with,
0: like, the early episodes, that's, like, what you're feeling is partially because is kind of used in more, more like an Ultraman type way.
1: Yes. But, like, that's... That happens in, like, episode 4 in episode 5. Like, he's still that way. Um... So, like that's that is one of my biggest gripes with the show is just the the writing and the characters in general, like Kaiju included, just don't feel fully there to their full right. potential
0: no I'd agree I'd agree
2: um, I think
1: Joe is probably the most well rounded character in the show, yeah and then everybody else just kind of falls behind. Mm -hmm. Um, the American feels honestly, that whole character could be cut. There's no reason for him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I genuinely like, even though there's plot elements that are important to him, I think you could just cut him and rewrite it and you would, it would be a slightly better show. (laughs) Um, I think the relationship between Joe and what's, what's the little Poco Boco Boco. Yes. Um, I think that could be tightened up a little bit. And I think the American character could be cut to help with that. Um, the Brainiac, the, the typical Kenny, I think could be given a little more life. Um, Mm -hmm. because, the typical Gamera, Kenny, is annoying but also obnoxious, right? Like, they're, they're mm-hmm. very obviously up and in your face. But the one in Rebirth is just annoying. They kind of don't do a... They're more of a background... Obnoxious. Hey, character. I'm,
0: fi- I'm fine if they're not particularly obnoxious, man.
1: <laughs> I just I like if you're gonna I'm do that fine with that, man. I'm not gonna really complain. I just if you're gonna do that, like make them memorable. Joe's the most memorable <laughs> character out of the children. And all yeah. of the adults I mean, it is typical for the adults to be just awful or like non existent. But they tr- clearly try to make one of the adults important and like he's the weirdest character out of all of them, and the the decisions, especially towards the end, just don't make sense and I don't understand he's Steve Jobs apparently
0: yeah that that was a a note to end on yeah it it was a note to end on.
1: So, I don't, I don't know I, I don't just, know what it
0: had to do with the rest of the show, but
1: right i, I just I don't know I can and just hear the camera
0: th- march a, a like a new variant of the camera March, and then it's just hi,
1: I'm Steve Jobs, and here's the iPhone, yeah, and yeah. okay, I think I like the fact they brought the camera march back, but there was there was a spot in the final episode, I believe it was where. Uh, Boko said something and it was like there was a moment of silence after that that was clearly meant to like hit differently mm.
0: oh yeah I'm and, not a big fan of like it just being relegated to like end credits songs I mean it's neat to have either, no matter what but right. it would be played in the show itself
1: <laughs> right because in the in the movies it was played during the movie it wasn't relegated to the end song that's like, well, we're all good now. Thanks, Gamera. It was it was played in some of Gamera's like heroic moments, like
0: Or is it just reading. adventurous moments.
1: Right. And there was I think you I wanna say it was when Boko said Gamera won't let us die or something it's something to that regards. And, like, it cut to Gamera, and there was nothing. There was no music. There was just Gamera. And I was like, this is where they should have been, like, da-da-da-da-da-da, da <laughs> Like, that was the moment to do it, and they didn't do it. <laughs> and I even, like, I, I posted something. I was like, I just found the moment that they should have played the Gamera theme but didn't. mm <laughs> Like if somebody doesn't edit, that's where it needs to go and it will work. It will work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not even a big I I don't even really like Gamera's theme in the show
0: that much, honestly. I think like it's not even it's not a bad track, it just kinda
1: doesn't really fit Gamera. Right. And I think part of it too is so it's obvious it's obvious what the show's doing. The show is trying to keep the themes and the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Seriousness of the Heisei era. Right. While also having the insanity of the Showa era. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like, Gamera the Brave did perfect. Yeah. This feels a little awkward.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I'm I'm I'm not really a fan of how the Gauss are in the first episode, like the Gauss are literally just Heisei Gauss but not as well executed. Like I I like the Heisei interpretation of the Gauss in Guardian of the Universe, but I kinda would have preferred something new rather than just the same thing again.
1: Right. With them. And like I mean, the, the, the even... Does
0: a of interesting I guess things with the Gauss or at least new things with them but like I wasn't really a big fan of the new thing they did with it so like
1: <laughs> right and like even to that point like a lot of the stuff that was not Heisei Kaneko Gaos were also from like Gamma the Brave and 2015 teaser
0: right I mean they basically like The start, like, when Gamera shows up in the first episode to deal with the Gauss, they basically attribute that short in, like, one of the shots.
1: (laughs) Right. And, like, one of the Gauss have the eye hanging out of the socket. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I I see. I can see right where you're going with this. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's also basically the same design as the 2015 Gauss as well. Right. Or at least the big one was the same design.
1: Right. So it's one of those things where it was like, oh, like this isn't like every kaiju, and this is actually probably the biggest gripe I have. The kaiju are relegated to monster of the week. See, I don't like, actually
0: have a problem with that.
1: <laughs> see, I, I just think like that works, but like, like your your Viras is supposed to be like the alien trying to conquer the earth. So is Zegra. And they're like delegate relegated to like the same as Gwyron and Gaios and Jiger, which doesn't make sense. Um, and like, I, I just, I don't know. It just, I didn't like how all the kaiju were just cannon fodder. Like once Gamera came in, they were taken care of like immediately. Mm hmm. There was no it, it it it honestly did feel like Gamera was Ultraman. That's exactly how I felt.
0: I mean no matter what he's definitely playing that sort of role in the show. Right. More than just like a typical more than his like
1: typical role. And I mean they do also give him that power of plot convenience where he has every power you need to beat all the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, the final episode, I will say, the final episode was so anticlimactic and so, like, not exciting. Because, like, space super hyper Gaius, whatever you want to call it, just, like, was taken care of almost immediately. Oh,
0: yeah, that was really anticlimactic. I was like, okay, we're done with it already. Like, show over, or what? And then I'm like, "There's another twenty minutes." I'm like,
1: "Huh? Okay." And it's just like the the epilogue with all the human characters.
0: Well, then there's the the bit with like Gamma as well, and like the space people.
1: Oh, that's the true. People in that's space. True. Well, the people in space don't matter. Not really. <laughs> Only
0: like a little bit. Especially just... when like the the final thing they do. Like at the end, after the Skios is defeated, is like taken care of it like immediately
1: right i just I don't know it gamma rebirth is not awful, like I don't want it to come across as I hated it. I just think it's very forgettable mm-hmm it it brought nothing new to the table. The new aspect, which was the animation aspect, is n- less than stellar. Less than decent, and it just like it just sits there. Like this sits like like it's a hard, solid like mid tier camera for me. Mm-hmm. See, I don't dislike it. I like some of the things it's doing. I I really liked
0: Queron in particular. Mm-hmm. I thought he was definitely like the standout of all the monsters. Just not only in his design, but the way he moved and also like his brutality as well. And efficiency mm-hmm. I Thought he was really cool. And honestly, his whole fight with Gamera was really cool. And I was very glad to see Gamera actually fly like Gamera should. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Kaneko's movie, but like movies, but like, I, I'd, I'd rather see them do, I'd rather see like the spinning happen more often, rather than, like, the, like, fins, (laughs) you know? Right. It it works for the Kineko movies, and it's not that it doesn't work here, and, I mean, I guess it's basically just an evolved version of what they did in, like, Showa, but, like, yeah, I prefer the spin. I feel that's just kind of more the iconic thing with
1: Gamera. Right, right. And I don't know, it just... That added such a because when we, we talked about Gamera Super, uh, the giant monster, like that was one of the things that was the most standout was that opening with that opening shot of Gamera in Japan where he was flying like a flying saucer, mm-hmm. like it gives him that otherworldly feel, which is a nice contrast to the friend of all children persona, right? So, I you know, I don't hate it. It's certainly better than the anime trilogy. It's certainly better than some of Gamera's films. It's not boring. But it is very anticlimactic and very it doesn't bring anything new. It doesn't bring anything. Gamera's return I thought was less than Stellar. Mm-hmm. It could have had more.
0: Um outside of Outside of that, I feel like Aren't we supposed to be covering a
1: movie? Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to. So Did you watch On Mayuji 2? What about on no. On Mayuji 1? I have not seen that. Oh, then what are we supposed to be doing here? Um Is it Gamera Rebirth? But no, it's no. that's not really J Horror. We got a problem in our schedule Rex if that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember there being any
0: zombies in Gamera.
1: Oh, that's well, right, it me, is zombie month.
0: Well, except for me when I was watching uh, Super Monster, but, you know, <laughs> that doesn't count.
1: Okay, so we're we're doing zombies. Yeah. Last week we did one cut of the dead. Yeah,
0: we did do one cut of the dead last week. So, that's so excellent, we... excellent analysis there. So what are we doing this week? So I did watch this movie very recently called Stacy. It's about the only movie I've watched... This week. Uh huh. Oh, now I remember what I did yesterday. Oh, that's what.
1: <laughs> what'd, you... What'd, you... what'd you do yesterday? Oh,
0: I went to a live concert that, uh, that some of my friends were performing at.
1: Oh, remembered... so that's what that post was about. Yeah. <laughs> did you have fun?
0: Yeah. It it was very amusing seeing uh, one of my friends, uh, do his, fresh metal scream. You could say,
1: <laughs> oh, sounds lovely. Now, I mean, now, I what's, think you saw the clip. So yeah, yeah. So what, what's the Stacey movie?
0: Oh, I I didn't remember even bringing up the title, but okay, you. For once, you you, actually you brought up Africa.
1: you brought it up. You said you watched Stacey. Oh, did I? Yeah.
0: Damn, my memory memories! Uh, I should get that checked out.
1: You know, before this recording, no, during this recording. <laughs> okay, now I'm not here.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Well, I was gonna make a joke, but I I just messed it up. Did horribly. you forget? <laughs> no, you well, what <laughs> You know, I. I quit. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. I have nothing to say. What are we here for, Rex? What's the Stacy movie? I totally didn't know what we were supposed to be doing.
0: Stacy Attack of the Zo- so Schoolgirl Zombies is a 2001 Japanese a Space Odyssey? Movie.
1: No. Oh. That's a bad joke. Sorry. Sorry. It's a bad movie, too. Hot take. Damn. Okay, gonna
0: get flamed on Twitter, are we?
1: Absolutely. I think
0: that movie gonna get flamed is absolute by film Twitter.
1: It's it's that movie is absolute dog garbage.
0: Yeah. I've never seen it, so I can't. Really I, comment. I
1: I think that was one of the few movies where I think afterwards I think I hated myself. <laughs> Damn. So Stacy attack of the schoolgirl zombies. Sounds lovely.
0: So wait, are you saying 2001 is like the Gamera Super Monster of Stanley Kubrick movies? Absolutely,
1: now? yes. <laughs> I think I had a similar feeling after watching both movies. The real, the biggest kaiju
0: conversation hot take: 2001: Space Odyssey is on par with Gamera Super Monster. Take yes. that for what you will, dear listeners.
1: If if if that is the if I have just made the hottest take that this show will ever have, I will happily wear that. Okay. I do. I stand behind that statement. That's there's no, like no, no character, nothing. That is like, I legitimately believe that. Let's make you watch it again. No.
0: Let's make you watch both again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Eventually I will watch super monster again, but it won't be for a long time. I legitimately don't think I will ever watch 2001 A Space Odyssey ever again. Damn. You're just going to keep that hot take. I think I hated my life so much after watching it initially that I might never actually do that. Damn. That, That might... Well... I didn't struggle to watch that. That might be the worst movie that I didn't struggle to watch I've ever seen.
0: That is a spicy hot take.
1: Um, it's not the war. Like I, it's not like I str- like there's movies that I've legitimately struggled to watch. Um, gamma super monster being one and a handful of other like low budget independent, like $5 titles that I just, I, Oh my God. Uh, it was like doing a marathon of trying to get through that movie. <laughs> but uh, no, out of movies like that had actual budgets or like just were in like interesting enough to keep me involved. Two thousand one is takes the cake for the worst movie I've ever mm. seen. Damn. <laughs> So Stacy attack of the schoolgirl zombies. yes, what is this movie? Well, it
0: is a film adaptation of a nineties katakawa novel it was
1: uh, yes it was the novel was also called stacy mm-hmm. it was re- It was published in nineteen ninety seven from Katakawa. Okay and it was in the same series of published books that Ring was.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's like one of their Karakawa horror uh, bunkos, I think. Bunko? I, th- I don't remember the exact Japanese word. Something along those lines. Gotcha.
1: I think it's but Bunko. Yeah, it was... It was The author of it was Kenji Ots- Otsuki? Otsuki? Whom is both a an award-winning
0: writer and also a very very prolific uh, and influential j-rock musician.
1: Did you do you know a little bit about that? Like do you do you want to take uh take the lead here on this cuz I don't know a whole lot about this.
0: Okay, so yeah, Kenji Otsuki like to give you an idea of like how influential he is, he's I mean, first of all, he started like numerous music groups, eight like a ton. Like his career started in the seventies and he's made. He's been involved in like dozens of albums and god knows how many songs, but like in terms of influence, some of the probably the two most famous creators, or at least the two that I'm most familiar with, um so his songs have reportedly been uh, very influential on the works of Hirohiko Araki, the m- the manga author behind JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, who has mm. quoted lyrics from like multiple songs written by Yotsuki in like JoJo's, and even some of the characters in JoJo's Part Four, Diamond Is Unbreakable. Oh God! Uh, not the movie, the manga. <laughs> but still oh god <laughs> hey the the the well, i've only seen the anime adaptation but that diamonds part four is good part four is good um it's actually the fan favorite i think well that in part two um but yeah like he um Iraqi has referenced the fashion style of um otsuki for some of his characters in that and then on the topic of Neon Genesis Evangelion, character designer Yoshiyuki Sadamoto has credited the lyrics from some of Ots- Otsuki's music to having inspired the design of, of Rei Ayanami.
1: Well, that's interesting because um, one thing I did know is in a conversation between the director of the Stacy movie and Otsuki, Otsuki specifically referenced Neon Genesis Evangelion as influence for writing this work. Oh um, wow. <laughs> yeah, let me let me see here cuz he listed two things. Um he said that around the time of Stacy he was in kind of a rough spot in his life. Um specifically there was an earthquake that had recently happened when he was writing it and some other personal life problems were were occurring around this time and between the works of Quentin Tarantino which would have been I wanna would that say have been, like
0: um, Dusk to Dawn around that time.
1: Huh?
0: Would have Dusk uh, to Dawn been that time? Because Well, I know Tarantino's involved in it. I don't know if he directed it actually.
1: I think he was just an actor in that one. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> um but this would have been mid nineties roughly. Um so you're looking at Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. Now, Jackie Brown came out in late 97, so that probably didn't have too much influence. It was probably all Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Um. So that, and then specifically Neon Genesis Evangelion, were what helped him create Stacy, which makes a lot of sense based off of what they've what both the director and the writer mentioned about the story of of stacy and kind of the depressing the like coming of age story that is present in the stacy uh mm-hmm. film and and novel
0: mm-hmm. let's see
1: um
0: on the topic of on the topic of tokusatsu though um mr otsuki you know i mentioned that he'd formed multiple bands one of which is quite literally named a j-rock band named tokusatsu
1: (laughs) right and they actually ended up doing the score for for stacy
0: yeah they've also worked on like an official ultraman album a uh a movie called Legend of Seven Monks, which features Sonichiba and Yasuaki Kurata. Um, he Otsuki himself has appeared in uh, the Common Rider X Eight slash Build A Generation's movie, and he sung various music for like Common Rider and the Tomica Hero series Madan Senki Yukendo. Huh. Oh, and. One of his other novels, Sown Human Nui Gula Mar, I'm probably butchering that, was adapted in 2014 into the tokusatsu film Nui Gula, Nui Gula Mar Z, or Z, I I guess it would be probably, but which was directed by Noboru Iguchi.
1: Okay, interesting. <laughs> so, Okay. Is there anything else? I mean, it sounds like he has a lot. I mean, he's an actor. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. He's a novelist. Right. Is there is there anything else you can, can share about Mr. Otsuki? Um,
0: not as far as I've researched, but I'm sure there is more. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'd imagine there's probably a lot more, in that I'm honestly just like scratching the surface
1: with this right right if we i'm sure we could probably do a whole episode specifically for (laughs) Otsuki. so okay i just wanted to wanted to see what what all we had um i did want to say uh or never mind never mind we'll get to that later oh so how how would you like to so we've we've talked about the novelization a bit and the film does uh change some characters around there's some additions hmm. to the story there's some uh, gender swaps too, and some removals yes um do we want to talk about the development of the movie or do we want to do we want to talk about the movie and then and then kind of go back on i mean it. i'm
0: curious about the development because i i didn't really look too much into the development um mm-hmm. I kind of looked into a couple other as- aspects instead, so I'm kind of a little curious to see what you might have dug up on that.
1: Okay. So, Katakawa, Shoten Publishing, I believe is the name of the company, right. was developing, I mean, Ring, obviously they did Ring, Kanz- Kaziban, Kanziba, Kanzinban? Kanzinban. I, Kanzinban. Mean, that's,
0: I mean, that really the title is just Ring for the Fuji okay. TV film
1: right actually yeah and that
0: then, was Future tv that
1: and then of course they had done ring the final chapter spiral and they were developing the Hideo Nakata ring from in 1998 right
2: so mm-hmm. I mean, the
1: Cal- final chapter came after 98 did it what
0: yeah yeah it what did year? It, it, it's like 99 or something i mean it literally takes elements from the nakata film
1: Gotcha, <laughs> okay um but they were also developing spiral uh, right at the same time as as ring so they were developing adaptations of this, and there was other films that that were um specifically like parasite eve uh that was a that was a video game in uh that that was in japan and they were they did a film adaptation in nineteen ninety seven so Japanese horror was becoming something that they you know obviously there was about to be a burst of it. Right. And And this was also
0: the same time that like Resident Evil had like come out. So there was kinda this is kind of where a start of a like zombie media was kind of becoming prevalent in Japan as well.
1: Right. And so when the book came out in nineteen ninety seven, plans all like immediately began to see what they could do to (laughs) adapt it. Um they had been trying to adapt it up until the, re- the development of this film. Um, so there was a four year, like time span of, of not a lot from my understanding. There wasn't a lot of development, but the idea was out there, right? They were like, we want to make a movie about this. And that was, that was kind of the extent of how far it got. um, for, for a long time, so the the film started in early in late nineteen in late two thousand. That's when it kind of really started. So the director of the film, Naoyuki Tomatsu, Tomumatsu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I said his name right. You probably he, didn't, but oh well. He was, I mean, this wasn't his first film, but he was wanting to do some, some, an, a, a movie. Um, His first film he ever did was 8mm, and it was called City of Corpses, and that was when he was 19 years old. When he did Stacy, I want to say he was 25, so it had been a few years since he had uh, done one, or no, he was in his 30s by now. Because uh so City of Corpses was featured in a magazine called Independ- Independent Film SFX, which uh what's interesting about the specific issue of where this uh where uh Naoyuki had his feature this the page following his had something by Deccan Films and it was called revenge of the eight headed dragon orochi with a blurb about shinji higuchi <laughs> um which was funny because shinji higuchi and hideyaki uh the director of stacy specifically talked about how like th- they were also like big names of that time period that that he kind of looked up to because of how successful they got um so this would have been in the late 80s so um higuchi i mean in 1991 got his uh director of effects debut with Mika droid rebel kill underneath disco club Leila. so he was about to hit it big um hideaki Yano, of course was um would later in the mid 90s do neon genesis evangelion and so for for director tomatsu he i mean he didn't get a lot um he was he was doing a lot of Nikatsu Roman porno films. That was kind of what he was what he was given uh, most of the time. And he, he was wanting to do more because his first movie, City of Corpses, was a zombie film. He actually following that did get a gig as like a makeup artist for some zombies on like a television broadcast. And so, like, he he liked zombies. He uh, he enjoyed, like, Evil Dead. Evil Dead's actually a very influential film um, in Japan as well. Uh, you brought up Resident Evil, but, like, Evil Dead was very popular in Japan. There's even, like, straight-up, like, Japanese Evil Dead movies. Right. Um, I, I mean, this I'm, film
0: even references Evil Dead at multiple points.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> which is something the novel doesn't do, but they, the director changed that. Because he was given complete creative control to do whatever with the film adaptation. Um I mean the main evil
0: dead reference here is like a common writer reference in the novel. Really? Yeah, because so spoilers for later on, there's like a Bruce Campbell's chainsaw in the movie. Or mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell's right hand too, is what it's called. In the novel, it's actually Rider Man's right hand. Rider Man being that. The the fourth Kamen Rider from Kamen Rider V3. (laughs) Who could change his right hand to just about any tool needed in the episode.
1: That's actually really interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, Because that was like his only cybernetic part was his hand, if I remember right.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So, the director, he wanted to do a movie, and... You know, he he had been trying to find he, – he had been doing work, right, and eventually got to the point where he wanted to, like, direct something that was his, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he went to Gaga Communications, and he pitched a movie called Gory Splatter Fairy Tale, and that was in development. That was something that he had been wanting to do for a long time, and he was – he it was in active development but it fell through eventually the project just collapsed and it, it it didn't happen and after that he didn't know what to do like he was kind of up in the air about what like where where do i go from here and so he was like walking to a meeting um he was he was on his way to gaga communications to like have a meeting probably to figure out what they wanted him to do um and as he was walking he ran across the, like a book stand and he saw they had just released a, uh he had, he had already read Stacy. Um, He, he was a fan of the, the author's work. That was something like he was already well acquainted with, with the material, but he saw it. What had happened is it got re-released and it was released on paperback. Uh-huh. And he saw Stacy at this book stand. And he was like, I'm going to, I want to do a film adaptation of that. So he bought the book, ran to Gaga and handed it to the producers and said, let's do an adaptation of this. I want to do an adaptation of this. And then it got greenlit because, you know, there was active desire from the author to do an adaptation of the book. And from there, you know, things started falling into place. Um, The book... So I do have a few things about the book. Um, so like the name Stacy translates to throwing stone and that was something as well. That was kind of influenced by neon Genesis. Evangelion as kind of like they're the next generation, that next um, evolution, but the name Stacy wouldn't be div- established until the third draft of the book. So that was kind of a later edition to the book. Um oddly enough, the book was written with the middle part first, the beginning second, and then the ending at the third. So he kind of wrote it disconjointedly, which I think is very obvious in the film adaptation because it's a little it's a little weird with how its story's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, the name Stacy was a play on the uh at the time it was new uh name of gracie Jitsu. so he called you know there's gracie so he named it stacy and then it was like the art of uh martial arts mm-hmm. and so like his tagline was like the art of the world um <laughs> And then he ended up doing a – you brought up that he was a musician. Following the book, uh, a little while later, he ended up doing an album called Stacy's Art. It's kind of like a tie-in.
0: Yeah, I was actually listening to that while researching. (laughs) uh,
1: What's funny is, like, it was so far after the book came out that he even, in this, like, roundtable discussion, said that, like – it was too late. Like it wasn't. It it wasn't even really a tie-in. It was nothing. <laughs> but development started, and they were they were working on it. It was. Uh, it obviously was following the J horror bo- boom of Ring. By the time this movie like started in development, like you had already had Ring and Spiral and Ring Two. Um, mm-hmm. Tomie, I believe that franchise had launched by this point. Yeah, that launched in ninety-eight. And they took influence from Tomie as well. Um, just a little bit, not not a whole lot. Um and so, I mean, the director uh wanted to follow so the discussion of like how to do the like how, how do you do the effects on the film because CGI was becoming something in Japan that you could use. Um and they they made it a goal to follow what Sam Raimi had done for evil dead specifically and show everything on the camera and like not, not cut away and like see what they could do um, and not, and use the least amount of CGI um, which the only CGI used in the film is when the girls glow blue um, outside of that, there is no CGI. Um, oh, I, some of the bullets looked CGI near the end. Oh, uh, that's right. There was those, and they did say that they used CGI on the on the makeup effects a bit. Um, I'm wondering if it was just to like touch it up a bit and make it um, look a little different. I, I was a little confused on on that aspect. Um, but they they wanted to keep it as practical as possible, and they didn't have a huge budget, so it was something that they just they you know they were trying to keep it um within within budget. Right. Um the director took the zombification of the stacies as they're called as kind of like a metaphor for puberty. Um and like this <sighs> reading reading the the author and and the director's kind of opinions on on the interpretation of this movie which we'll get into as we talk about it is really really weird um huh specifically i mean one thing that the uh the novel took influence from was uh george a romero's zombie as they call it i'm gonna guess that's night of the living dead mm-hmm. um i'm gonna guess that that's the movie that they were taking influence from but i don't know for sure um but they started filming April 9th of 2001 and it ended April 21st of 2001. So they, they were only filming for roughly 12 days. Um, Damn. And then the film came out August 18th of 2001. So they filmed in April. They were editing uh, in May and June and then marketing that's, in July and then that's released in August. Turnaround. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think there was a total of like ninety-seven shots or something. Um what, like ninety-seven effects shots? Uh no, I think they said like well, ninety-seven scenes. I think if oh. I remember correctly, from the shooting diary that I read, there was like ninety-seven scenes. Mm-hmm. Um to I mean shoot. it's a
0: fairly short film, i think to consider only eight minutes long. It is
1: um right and so they they you know they they had a quick production schedule um it was shot on a digital camera which is very obvious um for for me at least like it looks digital um but that was like they didn't want to shoot on film because they wanted it to look modern but also use old style 80s effects as the uh, special effects makeup artist said Mm mm-hmm and so as as they were filming um what's funny is the director he was so excited to do the movie Tomatsu-san um told his brother who I guess their mother had just passed away um and like he called him and and like was just wanting to like you know have somebody and Tomatsu-san told him look I got to do this movie um when I'm done like We will we will get together, but I need to do this movie. Um and at the time he had a girlfriend named Ray, and he basically told her, like, I need to focus on this. And as any girlfriend would do, I will actually I wouldn't say any, but as any like (laughs) fresh relationship girlfriend, if you tell them, hey, I'm not gonna be around for like seven months she dumped him and like he went into a whole like mental breakdown crisis thing um which is oddly funny because both him and the the author of the original book had kind of a a midlife like crisis when they were developing their their stories in their movie so <laughs> both jesus both of them like are are clinically depressed while developing these um <laughs> <laughs> which i mean it makes sense because this is a really depressing story um all things considered <laughs> uh so as as they what's it, i thought was really interesting is they filmed it but then so they shot it in si- they they shot it silently really yeah there was no on camera audio used um according to one of the actresses they filmed all the stuff Without audio, and then they had to go in and do a d r um and and and record their lines and then loop it. There's a few moments where I could tell that, but honestly overall it's it's kind of hard to see that um yeah, that's so not
0: terribly obvious honestly
1: um, but I did think that was interesting that they kind of took that Italian film approach that's something Italian film did a lot. they're probably yeah. the most famous for it um so, I mean, that probably added some time, you know, following that April 21st filming date, there was probably ADR for probably, I'd say a month maybe, um, mm-hmm. for all of your actors to come back in and, and do their audio and whatnot. So they did that and, you know, there's practical effects as well. And they didn't want a rated R rating, but it did get a PG 12 rating. um, but apparently, there's like extended footage that got cut of more gore and more graphic stuff.
0: I mean, with what's in the film, I don't know what they were expecting,
1: frankly.
2: <laughs>
1: this it's is just true because Yeah. So that's. I don't really have much more. Um, there's a a handful of things, but we'll talk about those as we as we go through with the film. So if you're ready. I'm ready to uh to dive right into Stacy Attack of the Schoolgirls. Zombies. Let's go. So I'm gonna let you kinda take the lead here, because I think you might have I I just this movie's all over the place for me. So I <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kinda start us off here and I'll I'll jump in. Right.
0: So I mean a movie opens
1: um, just
0: like in like a sunflower field with a group of boys like just around like the a girl laying down on the ground. T- a teenage girl in like a sailor suit I should mention who's, her name's Kana and she's just resting around like Sleeping Beauty uh, is what they reference. And yeah, so an adult woman comes by, as well as another girl in a sailor suit named Echo, with like a little thing. What what do you call that thing? Like a, a little bell, I guess.
1: Yeah, little bell. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, they come around. Uh, the adult, the older woman, just like sees the kids start, starts like talking, talking to them, and like it's like. Thanks, Kana, for taking care of my kids and all that. And then Kana wakes up. She's a zombie. <laughs> and proceeds to eat all the kids.
1: Which there's a... Uh, I, I noticed that there's a really funny, like, orange or, like, cloudy tint to this whole opening that, that kind of disappears after this. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of, of Final Wars a bit, but... <laughs> um. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they had a cloudy tint, because um, it, it disappears after this opening sequence. I guess maybe it's supposed to be a little dreamlike, mm-hmm. um, or maybe nightmarish, because you know, uh, the the kids do get eaten, and the mother's like screaming bloody murder <laughs> as she's watching her kids just get
0: right engulfed. And, you know, this is juxtaposed to the to the image of. Aiko, the other girl, just watching and smiling, as her bell, a little bell, rings.
1: Right, and we're going to follow her throughout the entire movie.
0: I well, think for a good portion of it, at least when it's not focusing on
1: anything else. Right, right, ah, right. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um. But keep keep going. I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no worries. So yeah, uh,
0: we get our title card, and then we're introduced to the idea. Well, we're kind of just given a narration expo- exposition that basically at the beginning of like the 21st century, a bunch of girls around the age of like 15 to 17 will experience this phenomena called like beautiful girls specifically will go through a near-death happiness and will, after about a week or so, die and turn into zombies. And, right. You know, we see a task force taking care of them called the Romero, Romero Repeat Kills. Yes. And we're also introduced to... A scientist named Dr. Inugami, a doctor of brain physiology, uh, who's explaining to a reporter how um, the zombies, known as Stacey's, have like this powder on their skin called uh, butterfly twinkle powder, where they will essentially glow blue uh, in response to certain phenomena, although they're not quite sure exactly why. And we also learn here that the only way to kill the Stacys is to cut them into at least 165 pieces. Right. and Which the so, reporter interviewing him criticizes him for, rather rightfully so.
1: Right. And it's some, so during this, we kind of get a little bit of a cool idea. Um, the premise is interesting. I do like it. Oh yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of Hell Driver, specifically when they brought up the whole repeat kill thing, because it's obvious that the the people don't agree with it. Because I mean, the interviewer starts to get like kind of mean with with our doctor, our professor, right? And but meanwhile,
0: the establishment is like, well, "Don't tell me off! I'm a man of science." I I'm right. The impudence of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. His character is very much a comedic relief villain. Mm. I say that in in in big air quotes because this movie doesn't really have a villain. I mean, it's um,
0: all over the place. It barely even has a main character.
1: It right because so the story's kind of like Hell Driver because the whole idea of like the the back and forth in Hell Driver is like. Do you kill zombies because they're still human, but they're dead, so it's okay? Or is it not okay because they are human? And that's kind of established here, but it's never brought up again. And after this, we don't see anybody but our main group of people that we're established to here. The rest of the movie is like just them. We don't see bystanders, really. We don't don't really get much besides the military and our like, three other characters. Right. Which, I mean, is
0: probably just a limitation of resources.
1: Right, right. But it's still, like, it's just, I, it sounds like they were going, I mean, they're starting to, the way they kind of talk about it throughout the movie is it reminded me also a lot of, like, The World Sinks Except Japan with the whole, like, not treating them like humans. But the movie jumps around so much that there, the potential themes here are really dropped. And the only themes that are in it, in air quotes, is the uncomfortably sexualized themes that the director and author talked about. Um, hmm. The director and author specifically cited Lolita's as kind right. of what is in the film which mm-hmm. if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's basically defined as precautiously seductive young girls.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the leader. Um, or well, not, that's more co really, rather than leader. It, um, from what I was researching, this film kind of goes... It, like, so what uh, Professor... Carlette Ballmines, I'm probably butchering that name. Her book sorta like has goes with this idea that the film is the Stacies are essentially juxtaposing the traditional like shoujo idea of like an innocent virgin girl. Like the word shoujo can even be used as slang for virgin in Japan to where the Stacy's are more the Kyogaru or Kogol fashion culture in Japan, which like for those who don't know, Japan is a very homog is well known for being like a kind of hom- homogenous society or a society-, society that values fitting in in their culture. And mm-hmm. thus like one of the more acceptor- accepted sorry ways of differentiating yourself and standing out is through your clothing. Thus, this has led to the emergence of the Kogal um, subculture, which is, I, the way it kind of sounds and like how it's seen in Japan is sort of similar to like a like more subdued of what like the image of goths in the West are, and in appearance, no nothing like goths like in terms of, like, the traditional, like, schoolgirl outfit, like, the difference between a kogal one is typically just, like, mainly, like, shorter skirts and, like, looser socks are, like, the two, like, most common uh, differences in in terms of the fashion. But obviously there's a bit more of a promiscuous uh, image to the um, kogal. Gotcha. Whereas Gothic Lolita is it's rebellious but it's not as rebellious. It's more just going against the traditional social norms of, adult, of adulthood and the Japanese housewife um, while still stressing modesty and politeness and a lot of the um, fashion with that is more victorian inspired in their dresses which is seen in this film with uh one of our main characters later on
1: gotcha okay um so i'm pulling up here because the there's a quote um on the stacy thing that i'm gonna i'm gonna read out because they they talk about the whole alita thing Mm mm-hmm so, I mean, in a way I kind of so this is what Otsuki said. Um so he was talking about how his age group, which is like 30-year-olds, mm-hmm. um they look at young girls differently. He was and he said he was kind of embarrassed about that. So Otsuki specifically says he liked lolicon stuff it's called lolicon stuff in oh. here um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it gets a little weird oh. um he says that when he was in high school there were m- many movies that looked at girls from an old man's perspective which if i'm interpreting that right that's a l- really creepy so even though it's a girls movie it's supposed to be a movie that promotes girls but it's clearly seen from an old man's perspective um he specifically cites sailor suit and machine gun which you know that sailor outfit that would be like popularized by sailor moon and whatnot um director tomatsu specifically said the opening shot where the zombie girl gets up and it's this low angle upskirt shot was specifically meant to establish a bit of a uh He's, so they specifically mentioned pornographic and like explicit feeling. Um, They talk about how horror naturally has this very sensual and seductive tone to it. Um, And that stuff about horror just naturally goes to that. And so in Stacy they they view they thought they think that the movie covers that. It's it's a movie about stuff like that. Um so they they talk about um specifically o- Otsuki says it's like admiring a girl from the perspective of a cultured man that was imprinted on me, and I guess that's how it turned out. So it's kind of that <sighs> Yeah, um, it's, honestly, when I was reading this roundtable discussion, I was getting a little, like, uncomfortable <laughs> as they talk about this, um.
0: Alrighty, um, I don't even know what to say to that, honestly. Um, just, wow, okay.
2: Yikes.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Like, um, specifically about that opening shot to Tomatsu said, quote, I kept the, sh- the skirt short and purposely aimed it at a low angle when she was getting up. And one of the actresses said, that's pretty naughty. And he says, it's naughty, right? That's the aim. And they bring up, uh. It could be kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street when Freddy comes out of the bathtub, and Tomatsu says maybe, but he wasn't going to say that for sure. Um,
0: it's. I mean, it's. I guess I shouldn't be surprised from the director of Lust of the Dead,
1: right? Um, and and when he talks about the zombie specifically, he says, "I thought that puberty meant turning into a zombie." I think this original work contains metaphors such as when a woman reaches puberty, she becomes a monster and eats men. What used to be under the control of their parents now begins to live as individuals. The guys don't like that. So they replace with expressions like the girl turned into a zombie. And based off of Tomomatsu's like history with uh, women, as he detailed in a like personal diary that he published that i found um he has a very negative outlook um that just is really awful um from what they said the original book objectifies women very clearly like it's it's very they're just objects they're these things that are causing a problem, and the men have to like take care of it. Um, Otsuki wrote at the end like this afterward apologizing for how it did that. But it's still like this whole thing, you know? Oh. This movie is really uncomfortable after after what I've read and researched.
0: You see, when I was like reading some interpretations before, I was actually like starting to kind of respect the movie more, and now that's gone back.
1: <laughs> that's kind of receded. So, I mean, yeah, that uh, uh, I don't, I don't even like. I, I have really nothing else to say. Like, it's, it's, it has become uncomfortable very quickly. This movie. Damn. Yeah, I'm kinda at a loss for words. <laughs> so why don't we why don't we keep going then? Why don't we keep going?
0: Okay. Um you know, we go to we're introduced to transitioning from the the interview with Dr. Inagami. We get some Starship Troopers esque like like, recruitment ads, join the Romero repeat kill squads, kill your daughters, all that type deal. And uh this is where we're introduced to our, I guess, protagonist, Shibukawa. He's kind of sculpting sculpting a puppet head whilst his friends are sort of watching these advertisements.
1: And this is where we're revealed the... uh Bruce Campbell's right arm, number two, correct? Um, well, we get a
0: little bit of the soldiers, um, like the, the uh, Romero squad killing some people, where we see the man, the myth, the legend, Yukijiro Hotaru, is yes. in this film. And is probably the best actor in it as well. Um yeah. <laughs> i feel like he's the one that's actually trying
1: yeah it i was honestly but the way he acts it almost doesn't seem like him and for such a like low movie i was honestly surprised he was in it but he does do like one small role in a like low budget movie a year <laughs> so it's it's not too shocking but right. no it was when i saw him i was like oh that's really cool And that was probably the highlight for me in this entire movie.
0: Right. And then we also jump to the introduction of another plot line where there's this girl who has a pen pal who she's calling her brother, but, like, the people, her classmates are, like, bullying her. Like, is it it some kind of boy? Like, who is this? And sort of just laughing at her. And then we also get some exposition about how, because of like the rise of the Stasis, you know, the world is essentially coming to an end,
1: right, Riot, because
0: social unrest, nuclear war, it's sort of
1: implied <laughs> right, and like birth birth rates are declining, right. And I mean that's cool. I love I love the idea of what like the impact that these events are having on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the ads are kind of cool because it's it kind of reminds me of like Robocop and like the world sinks except Japan where like those those ads were cut throughout the film. Um, like See, I got fun. more of a
0: Tokyo, uh, I got, I got like a Tokyo Gore Police vibe from it, but like this came
1: first, <laughs> right? Right. I mean the director of this did kind of work on stuff around that time and was working with direct the director of that movie and whatnot. So I mean there probably was a little bit of influence and in, in whatnot thrown in there. Possibly. But no following this, don't doesn't uh don't we get kind of like this this guilt for the Romero troops?
0: I mean so yeah, I mean, Yuki Jiru Hotaru is just guilty for pretty much the entire um, movie. You know, Shibikawa meets the, the girl with the bell from the beginning, Eiko, once again, in her sailor suit outfit. And, you know, she's going to turn into a zombie. She's experiencing her near-death happiness. And this is also where we start a... Well, Shibukawa is, is a fair bit older than Eiko, let's say.
1: Probably about two to three times, yeah. He's probably in his yeah. 40s. Yeah. The actor was born in like the
0: early to mid-60s, I want to say. Meanwhile, Eiko's actress is like, I want to say she was born in like 85. Yeah. So, Yeah.
1: Adding to more of the creepiness, adding to more of the absolute insanity and creepiness of this movie.
0: Right. And then we are taken to the military, a military base where these, we have two guys who are just like, I guess, joining the military and they're kind of being introduced or not the military, the repeat kill squad, the Romero squad, whatever. I keep forgetting its name.
1: <laughs> it's the Romero Repeat Kill Squad.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, they're show they shown a little commercial for the um the Blues Campbell's right hand too. An obvious play on Bruce Campbell. And here we get three separate cameos as well. <laughs>
1: now real quick so you brought up earlier how is the writer man right arm in the yeah. book so the reason why it wasn't that was the rights issues to like get that from toei would have like not worked with their budget so they rewrote it to be the evil dead reference instead
0: right speaking of writing in this scene we it, we get a cameo from kenji yotsuki himself
1: Right, along with uh, two more cameos.
0: Yes. On the left, we've got uh, Norman England. (laughs)
1: Playing Jeff.
0: Yeah, and being dubbed
1: over. Yeah, he speaks English and he's dubbed over, which was hilarious. (laughs) And then to his right is uh,
0: Hino Hanako Saiki. Whom is an actress who's been in various things. In terms of Tokusatsu, she was Sadako and Spiral, mm-hmm. and has also appeared in G.M.K. Garo and Ultraman. And yet yeah, they're just here to introduce the Blues Campbell's right hand too, <laughs> which is the weapon a weapon used to uh, defeat, kill all the. Uh, to repeat kills, I should say, all of the Stacies,
1: which you can purchase. Yeah,
2: we're waiting for your call. We're not. They are.
0: Who knows? We should we should make the blues Campbell right hand too. We should. Sell I don't.
1: That. I don't know if I would want to do anything related to this movie.
0: You know, that's a great point. Yeah, it's a but miracle Bruce we're Campbell covering a- this movie. Bruce Campbell is awesome. I love him. I love Ash Evil Dead. That that was a great
1: show. So I will say. So following this, don't we cut back to following Eko uh, Eko's like relationship with with our Shubukawa character? Well, before
0: that, we jump around to a whole nother plot plotline.
1: Oh, that's, that's right.
0: <laughs> we're introduced to the the, Drew, the Drew's Ill, or sorry, the illegal Drew repeat kills um, which is a group of like these free girls that are dre- one of whom's dressed up like Drew Barrymore and yeah, because in this world there's this thing called the Stacey's Law where basically any the families and boyfriends of, like, any of the Stacys have the right to kill them. Um, as well as, like, the Romero squad. Like, no one else other than them can kill a Stacy. There's also this just illegal squad of these women who are... Uh, you know, just... You hire them for some money and they'll kill... They'll kill the Stacies for you instead of the government or yourself.
1: Which... I like that. I Like, that sounds like a cool concept to follow. Like, I, I was I, I think very interested.
0: I think they're interesting. The problem is, after this introduction, they don't show up for, like, the next 30 minutes.
1: And we're already about 25 minutes in, right? Right, yeah.
0: This movie kind of jumps around and has way too much going on, so that nothing, none of the interesting things get
1: enough focus. Right, because you have so it opens with the scientist, or yeah, it, it basically opens with the scientist plot, which is Doctor Inagami trying to find how the Stacys work. Mm-hmm. Then we're established the the lovely apt's name of the Romero Rekill Squad, and we follow those characters and they're clearly written to like be like so we care about them right like we're uh-huh. supposed to have an interest in their characters um and then we have the side plot with the writer and İ- Ekiko Eiko, Eiko, and their relationship so and I now feel we feel like ha- that one's
0: meant to be the main one but it just it it feels like it feels like it's meant to be the main one, but it also feels like
1: not any more important. Right, it's, it's sidelined through the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the weird part is, so this is jumping ahead, like way ahead, but this movie, the story is developed to a point where all of those plot lines converge at the end and intertwine. Um, right. which, which does happen. Um, I'm trying to, I, I can see the movie. I'm thinking of clear as day, but I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, where like your, all of your plot lines, like are their own separate thing. And then they come together. Oh, it's, it's kind of like a funky forest. Um, which is not a good comparison. Uh, not a good
0: comparison. At least from what you tell me. <laughs>
1: um but just that idea of like all of these like completely unrelated stories end up coming together at the end and all being part of one big story the issue right. with that however is the writer stacy's storyline never comes together with the others
2: yeah at least not
1: not
0: really the most it really converges is like the they meet up with um, Yukajiro Hotaru's, like, squad, and, you know, makes them all just break down into tears because they just hate what they're doing. And then also, like, one of the characters in... a pretty minor character in one of the other plot lines is like one of shibakawa's friends and that's
1: about it (laughs) right and we don't even get enough development of any of these characters to really feel a connection no not at all which like uh, there's some interesting ideas here yeah um and like the the gore effects in this movie actually look really good for a low budget film.
0: Oh yeah, they look pretty pretty solid. I mean, like you can tell like how it's
1: done, but that doesn't matter when it just looks good. Right. Um cuz like the Stacy Illegal skill Kill Squadron, that would be a cool idea intertwined with the Rekill uh squadron, the Romero Rekill Squadron, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that's an interesting story like they could follow that um they could have the doctor storyline all three of those make sense to like be together right they could make that the story and the main focal point but they also have that side story with Eiko eiko and shibukawa and like you said, it, it's it feels like that's supposed to be the main heart of this story. I mean, they in in the in the roundtable they talk about how it is a love story, like it's a love story first, horror movie second. Right. So that would mean that that is the that's the heart of the the story. Like that's the main plot we're supposed to be following. That's the main plot we're supposed to be emotionally invested in. But we're not. Because they don't do anything with it,
0: and on top of that, Chibikawa is a pedo.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, so that
1: doesn't really help matters, right, so it just it, it doesn't it just doesn't work,
0: mm. but yeah, eventually, down the road, I want to say around like the halfway mark of the movie, doctor. We bring back Doctor Inugami's plot where he him and also the guy who is like the pen pal to so the girl that was getting bullied earlier on, they are, you know, experimenting on the zombies when they realise that the Stacy Doctor Inugami basically explains that like the butterfly like twinkle powder is respondent to, like, certain brain... There's brain function in the zombies, still, and the powder on their skin glowing is in response to some sort of, like, stimulation. But they're not quite sure what yet. Right. We get a bit more, like, zombie action with one of them just, like, crawling out of, like, a... (laughs) cauldron? Or a pot or something?
1: That's just there. (laughs) And we also get the whole, like, the zombie that's heads removed from the body and it's electrocuted, right? Right, we get yeah. Whole...
2: Which, is, which
0: looks cool visually. I think the effects in the sequence are probably, probably
1: the best in the film, I'd say. I would agree. I would agree with that. I think some of the best stuff happens in this, like, this set. Um, right. Which sucks, because, like... This isn't supposed to be the main story. Yeah. Because the way the story's also set up, it also, like, it makes it seem like Dr. Inugami's this insane person, right? Like, it kind of plays the idea that he's not... He's a mad scientist. Right, and everything he's doing isn't necessarily the right thing. But we're never shown, like, an opposite we're never shown the the right side the better side right like it's just it's just him there's no opposing view opposing like development that would make it so his stuff is the the the bad side the antagonistic side
2: mm.
0: i mean i guess yeah but you know at the same time there is just that whole thing of that whole issue addressed at the beginning where it's like these people, they were living schoolgirls. And later on it is revealed when they revealed, reveal why, like what the blue powder, the butterfly powder actually is like what stimulates it. That kind of, I guess adds to it a bit, but like,
1: this movie's funky, um <laughs> to put it one way. So how would you con- like how would you continue describing the funkiness, Rex? Ugh, it's, just,
0: it's just a goddamn mess, is how I would how I would describe it, frankly. Just did But Yeah, the So with that, um with the whole pen pal aspect there. So the girls school got completely all of them turned into zombies, quite literally every single one of them. There's something about like puppeteers who control corpses with psychic powers or something that's said. I don't even remember if that was just like a theory that someone said or if it actually is an idea in the film, but whatever this, at a certain point in the movie, I think I was going a little more insane and had to keep going back.
1: See, I just, so this was my second time watching this movie. And I still struggle with following it. Right. Like, I just, I I can't, I can't wrap my head around what I'm watching.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we get more, I guess, more establishment to love plot with, like, you know, Eiko starts to, I guess, and her costume design starts to rebel since she starts switching to the, the more lollied, her Victorian-style dress. Shibukawa becomes creepier as, like, when her sailor suit's tie comes off, he sniffs
1: it. And it's worth to say that before this there was uh <clears throat> there was a puppeteer sequence where we learned right. about the boy and his toy cat <clears throat> Hang on I'm dying <laughs> I'm dying mentally man So yeah we we we follow the boy and his cat toy story all right which I th- So what happens in this story is he has this toy cat and he carries it around with him everywhere. Like it's, it is his like everything. And then one day the toy starts falling apart. So his mother throws it away. He goes searching for the cat and eventually finds where all the abandoned toys are. He finds his cat tries to take the cat back and he realizes that the cat is now with his actual mother who is in heaven. And the moral of the story that. Aiko. Tells him it is, is it doesn't matter if they ended up together. It just matters that they got to see each other again. Mm-hmm. Which is a setup for the ending of this movie, but I still don't understand the sentiment behind that. Right, yeah. That's an interesting outlook on this whole thing that I don't understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we get a bit more of, you know, their relationship and eventually, like, oh, like in the last like 30 minutes of the film the plotline with the what you call it the both pen pal lovers like the one that's with Inugami and the military group they end up converging with the the girl and who's become a stacy with with her whole school you get some a straight up just day of the dead reference with like the belly kill in day of the dead <laughs> um and yeah a lot of this ending is kind of just this uh romero squad fending off against the Stacys. whilst the uh the pen power boy whose name is Arita i should mention so i can so i can actually be clear who i'm talking about He's like, I gotta help Momo, which is the girl. All the while, the the Drew Barrymore reference characters finally show back up again. And, you know, they kill zombies. And, yeah, what's his name? Arita tries taking the, zomb- the Stacy Momo, trying to protect her, save her life, all that, because he's in love with her. And this is where we actually learn that the the butterfly powder, what it is, is essentially that the zombies they're not attacking humans because they're not attacking humans to eat them or anything. They simply just want love, and the powder glows when they found love,
2: essentially.
1: God, this movie's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I... Oh, my God. This movie. This movie. So, yeah, at this point, everything's going insane. Like, it, it is straight up just zombies, like, going in and, and slowly killing off the military people one by one as yeah. the Stacy illegal... Killer squadrons like coming in and killing things, and you know you've got your side military guy who's in love with the Stacy. And okay, so if the story was solely based around them, this would be a good ending Mm -hmm. because they all do come together at the end. The main the the head of the Stacy rekill squadron is in there with Dr. Inugami, who's in there with the pen pal lovers, and then the Stacy illegal kill squadron is also there. Mm -hmm. Everything's together. It must be so
0: hard for listeners to keep track if they haven't seen this movie just before the ridiculous names of things. (laughs) like, don't worry, listeners, this is the Stacey experience, it's very hard to keep track of anything. It's, it's a very
1: them. hard movie to keep track of, like, it, it, watching this movie doesn't help. It just jumps all over the place with everything.
0: It's, it is a mess. <laughs> like, even aside from, like, the underdeveloped characters and all that, it is a goddamn mess of a movie.
1: So you basically have this this grandiose conclusion, as the zombies are coming in, you have the head of the re-kill squadron face off against the three females who he effectively kills, but they also get a shot to his heart, so he's dying. The pen pal lovers are dead. They were killed by the Stacy illegal kill squadron. And Doctor Inugami was like ignoring this whole thing the whole time,
0: right? And, and he, yet, just, he just dis- gets killed by gets killed by the army of Stacys that right. are in love with him, I guess. Yeah. So and he, I guess, loves
1: them. So he's like older than Shibakawa, right? So what happens is the horde comes in, everybody dies, and he's the last one, and he lets them. Take him. Now, what I brought up earlier suddenly becomes a lot more... Oh, boy. ...contextually understood. The old creepy man that's been killing the women and chopping them up and using them as science experiments loves the idea of Stacy's. He's in love with the idea. Mm-hmm. And he's a creepy old man. And just as dar- as the author of the book... Otsuki said how, you know, he liked films where they had the old man ap- approach to women. I feel like this is basically that. This is like an old man fantasy of like having all these schoolgirls just <sighs> on you. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um this, so this, this is a movie They pull him apart, he's killed, he's happy, he dies in love, he dies happy, just like the Stacys. Um, And then this section's over, and we still have, like... And at this, like this, this takes up until the last 20 minutes. Mm. And then for the remaining time, we follow Shibukawa and Eiko, as they... ...finish their final... ...because they're... ...it is Eiko's last days, which is interesting if it wasn't for the creepy part as well, and we just follow them as they, and like... And the fact they, it's
0: underdeveloped.
1: And the fact it's underdeveloped, and it's just not... it's awful. Um, so we follow them as they prep for her final moments, and then she just dies. Yeah. And then she comes back to life and then we fast forward like 20 years and then it's revealed that the Stacys and humans learn to adapt. They're actually a higher evolved version of mankind and now their children are the super beings and the world has been solved and Shibukawa's stories that he was writing with Aiko have become the new Bible. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. At that point, I was, I mean, it didn't help that at that point, the DVD I was using, DVD copy I was using of a film to, like, watch it. At that point, the film was just completely skipping. So, like, I only had, like, a scattered idea of what was going on because only, like, a third of the subtitles would show up right but i just saw the line that like this is the new bible and i'm like what <laughs> what
1: so <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah it and it ends on basically the idea that Aiko and shibukawa were like the new adam and eve and like they found how to create pure happiness and the world is good now mm-hmm And, like, we we see all of this with, like, a 70-year-old Shibukawa who's sitting at the same spot where Aiko died and came back as a zombie, and we see this statue of her in memoriam. Right. And then the movie's over. Thank God. (laughs) I don't know, like, this movie, I mean, not only is it creepy and weird and just messed up, in terms of like right. contextual, but it's just off. Yeah. It's also quite boring. It is. It's a very boring movie. Not a lot happens. The zombies are not very interesting in this movie.
0: Right. And probably like the oh, one group of characters that I felt actually kind of interested me, like the Drew repeat kill the illegal group, whatever, they are barely in the movie at all. They just disappear for, like, half the movie and show up again at the end.
1: Right, which I feel like it would have been more interesting to follow them and maybe have, like, this chase of, like, they're trying to find Eiko to get rid of her or something. There's something you could do to this story See, to make it interesting.
2: What What
0: I was thinking about... For what I would maybe do if I were writing a story like this was, you know, because this movie is just all over the place, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and just feels kind of directionless. Mm-hmm. So what I would personally do is I would just completely drop the drop the plot line with like the pen pal lovers. Right. Drop them completely they do not add much of anything to the film. They are not, they've, you know, the central relationship is clearly supposed to be Shibakala and Eiko. So why are we, why are we taking time away from them for this, you know, plot line that ends up, you know, taking screen time away from our central relationship? Preferably let's uh, change the age gap as well, you know, but (laughs) Yeah, let's, yeah, change the change the age gap a little. <laughs> and yeah, so have the central focus of the movie be their Eiko and Shigakawa's relationship. Have And then maybe you could have, like, the Dr. Inugami as an antagonist who, for whatever reason, wants to study Eiko. Maybe something to do with, like, her near-death happiness or whatever reason. And then you could have, like, the illegal Drew repeat kills or whatever they're called as, like, these side villains who are working for the scientists and trying to, like, hunt Rako down to, like, capture her for him or something like that. I feel like just narrowing the film's focus, because it's an 80-minute long film, would, you know, not only just uh, help or at least fix or at least help the issue of just this film being absolutely disjointed but again allows you to actually develop the characters or at least your central characters and not just waste not just spread itself so thin that nothing you don't care about anything by the end
1: that could work that i mean that would that would fix a lot of the narrative issues with this movie right I mean, this movie needs a hard rewrite all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Which, oddly enough, this movie did get a lot of good reviews, but I I just don't... Bro, I don't know what people
0: are smoking, I'm gonna be honest.
1: Junji Ito even said he enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I The only thing I really enjoyed from this was, like, the gore and, like, a cap- there's, like, a couple... Kind of okay looking shots here and there. Honestly, I thought a the movie. Overexposed.
1: I thought the movie was just bland all across the board with its cinematography.
0: Yeah, mostly. I, I just think there's like a couple moments where it looks kind of nice.
1: I think there's some but nice then again, lighting. again, like
0: kind of like seeing like a diamond in the rough. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe not a diamond, but like. I don't know. Something that's okay in. A rather rough-looking movie, Copper. Sure, let's go with that. Copper in the rough. That doesn't sound as nice.
1: So this movie's awful. Yes, quite. <laughs> um, the story was it ended up getting adapted into a manga by Bunkasha Publishing in the Horror M magazine. It right. also got a stage play adaptation by which Morning Museum. A,
0: which was based on a 2008 reprint of the, of the book, which featured extra sh- uh, short side stories. So, you know, if it needed it to be any more disjointed.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, it's also worthy to note the stage play was a musical. Yes. And it was performed June 6th, 2012 through June 12th of 2012.
0: Yeah. Um, I was watching a couple of clips from that and I noticed that <laughs> the zombies don't really look like zombies in it.
1: <laughs> Let me guess. They're a little more fantasized.
0: No, it's just like, just idle girls. Oh, lovely. Cause you know, I, I guess with idol girls, you probably can't, there's probably like contractual
1: obligations or something where you can't really make them look ugly. Right, right, that makes sense. Oh, God. So... Man, okay. Um, We did watch you, a movie. We did. Um, do you want me... Uh, do you just want to go into the, the, the cast and crew? Um...
0: Did you have anything else on the interpretations? I'm a little curious. You kind of suggested that
1: you might have. Um, hang on one second. Let me let me look here. Um, I mean, it was kind of like that Lolita thing. Um, the whole. Uh, I'm trying to think here if I if I read read anything else. A lot of this movie just basically comes from. A desire to be loved. Um, mm-hmm. They they really wanted to move the movie to be about love and not about zombies or horror, which I guess makes All sense right. why the stage play would not have that. Oh God, you saying that with like the information you've
0: relayed to me about some of the people behind this movie, just
1: oh, I'm looking at that. it's a very know. creepy movie. Oh. The people behind this are very very creepy. Oh god. You know, I think this movie has more in line with Neon Genesis Evangelion than we expected. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> that that's got to be the best thing this, that was said in this episode. Goddamn. <laughs> What's your, what's your take on that? <sighs> I
0: don't even know, man. At least Ano made good movies.
1: Shin Kamen Rider? Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of, speaking of movies, um, you know, maybe Nayuki Tomamatsu did do some good movies. Um, for what he did, he, uh, he did Zombie Self Defense Force, which that one's actually okay. That one's decent. Um, but he also directed all five? Six.
0: Of the main Lust of the Dead films? He, he directed all six.
1: Films? He directed Lust of the Dead 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and Rape Zombie Gaiden Unreachable, which was the sixth movie. Ah. He also uh, co-directed and wrote Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl. with. Uh, that was a... Uh, uh, yamashida right no, no no no uh yoshihiro nishimura um uh, movie they co-directed that um uh tomomatsu also wrote all the lust of the dead movies i own three of those i don't know i don't know if i want to watch them now <laughs> oh god um he also did maid droid which is a robot maid movie. And then he wrote Love Ghost, um, which is a Junji Ito adaptation. Um, He also co-wrote Yoro Kawai Kaidan, which is some sort of horror, um, one and two. And then he also was the producer and writer for a movie called Love Zombie of the Dead and director. So... (sighs) Unfortunately, I know most of these. <laughs> I, I, I'm aware of all six Lust of the Dead movies. I own three of them. I have four and five on my list to purchase, too. I own Vampire Girl First. glad Frankenstein you're the Girl. Lust
0: of the Dead fan. No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> um, I own and I have seen Zombie Self-Defense Force. I thought that one was decent. And then I own Love Ghost. Um... I I plan on watching it. He didn't direct it, so maybe it's not awful. And it's Junji Ito, so that that interests me. Mm. As for the screenwriter, Chista, Chisato Ogawara, mm-hmm. uh, he co-wrote zombie. He uh, he wrote Zombie Self Defense Force and Made Droid. Um, let's see. As for your cast, uh, you had Natsuki Kato. As Eiko. She was in Echo Echo Azuraku. She was Common Writer. She was in Common Rider Ryuki Episode Final and Common right. Rider Ryuki Special 13 Writers. She also appeared in the Common Writer Ryuki game. She appeared mm. in Battle Royale 2. True Horror Stories and Monster X Strikes Back attack the G8 Summits. For for Toshinori, uh, for uh, Shibukawa, you had Toshinori Omi, who was apparently this isn't confirmed, but a child actor in Ultraman Taro. Oh wow! Ka- Kazuo uh, Ome- Omezu's theater of horror. Uh, he appeared in the man who wanted to become Ultraman, Sky High Two, the television show, and most recently, Common Writer Black Sun. Now, interestingly enough, about the Shibukawa character, remember how I said uh, this was off recording, so this is where I'll repeat it. So, director uh, Tomomatsu really likes the movie Tetsuo the Iron Man. Right. Originally, there were two other choices for Shibukawa. Ah. One of them was Tomorrow Takuchi. Takuchi. Taraguchi, who played uh, the, I want to say his name is the businessman, the salaryman, yes, in Tetsuo the Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Um, The other was none other than peak cinema director himself, Shinya Tsukamoto. Oh, (laughs) Um, Thank God they didn't play this character. Yeah, I I said, oh, yo, but now
0: I realize, yeah, I don't want Um, Tsukamoto in this.
1: Their their schedules didn't line up um with thank the God. filming of this movie, so they didn't do it, thank God. Um though interestingly enough that
0: would break your heart if Sukamoto was
2: in this it it
1: would. Um interestingly enough, sh would kinda of have a similar character um in uh uh Takashi Shimizu's Merbito. Um where he houses this young vampire girl. It's not necessarily—it's not nearly as sexual, if I remember correctly, from the movie um, as this one is. But, I mean, they are kind of similar characters. Um, but this one's definitely way worse. Um, moving on with the cast, you had Katsuyuki Yamazaki, who played the Arita Envoy who was in Ultra 7, 30th Anniversary Trilogy, Ultra 7, 1999, Final Chapter 6, and then 35th Anniversary of Ultraman Evolution 5 Part Series. Uh, they also appeared in Kamen Rider Phis, Ultraman huh. Orb, and did the mocap for Ultraman, the anime series, as Shin Hayata. Right. Mei Fukuda, who played Momo, who has no other uh, tokusatsu credits, uh, Chika Hayashi, Hay- Hayashi, Hayashi, who played Nozumi, was in Tokusou Sentai Dekra Ranger. Yatsutaka Tetsui, Tetsusui, who played Dr. In- in- uh, Inuga- Inugami, was in Scary True Stories, Gemini, the movie directed by Shinya Tsukamoto, School Festival of the Dead, and was the author of the story the girl who leapt through time, which has been adapted countless times, um, most famously by Nobu-, uh, Nobu-, Nobu-, Nobu-, Nobu Nobu Nobu Nobu Nobu Nobu. Oh God, <sighs> Obayashi-san, who directed House. Nobuhiko Obayashi. Thank you, Nobuhiko Obayashi. Hiko, not Ri. I'm tired, man.
0: That's great. You're a failure.
1: Moving on with the cast, we had Toshiyoshi Oya, who played Takanaka. Uh, they have no other tokusatsu credits. Next on the list, <clears throat> and get ready for a five minute segment <clears throat> oh, Yokijiro Hotaru, who played Fujiwara, was in Sky High 2, the television show, Ultraman Max, Garo, Garo Special Magic Beast of the Midnight Sun, Garo. Maka. Maka Senki. Makai. Makai Senki? Yes. Okay. Garo Makai. Yeah, he was in basically
0: every Garo show in the original. In like have, the original continuity, barring the spinoffs.
1: Right. He was also in Garo Maki no Hana. Makai no Hana. Garo Makai Retsudan. Yes. He was also in Cutie Honey the Live, Sailor Zombie Zerom, Zerom 2, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2: Advent of Legion, Gamera 3: Revenge of Iris, Mechanical Violator Hiker, Moon Over Tau, School Ghost Stories 3, Cure on Mayugi, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah Giant Monsters All Out Attack, on Mayuji 2, Tetsujin 28. Rigo, King of the Sea Monsters. Garo, Blue Crying Dragon. Garo, Moon Rainbow Traveler.
0: Moonbo the Great Traveler. Buddha
1: Arrival. Nezara, 1964. Hoshi, 35, which is an upcoming kaiju movie. Gamera for Truth. The Idol. Avataro, Sentai Dawn Brothers. Oh, he's Neo... in that too? <laughs> he, he appeared in that. Neo Ultra Q. The Parasite Dr. Suzuni Genesis.
0: Oh, he was also in Go God. I just remembered.
1: <laughs> the Parasite Dr. Suzuni Evolution. Raiga God of the Monsters. Ashura. Boogie Pop and Others. Pyrokinesis. Tekoki. Tekoki Mikazuki? Yes. And Parasite Part 1. Um, I also want to bring up that this means Yukajiro Hataro has been in Ultraman, Super Sentai, Godzilla, and Gamera. Mm-hmm. Um he's just quite literally missing a common writer. Uh he's never been in common rider. He's never been in common rider. I checked. So I I vote him in the next com- I mean, he was in the closest thing you could get to common rider, I would say, which is the Kikaida series in Hekiter. But he hasn't appeared in Common Writer yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because I went and I scoured all of his credits and I couldn't find a common writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had Mokoto Sakamoto, who played Matsushi, Matsui, Matsui, who was in Ultra Q Dark Fantasy, Scary True Stories, Gogo Sentai Bokujer, Resha Sentai Tokuger, My Wife is a Superhero. Common Rider Kiva, Common Rider Oz, Garo Makai Senki? Did I say Makai that correctly? Senki? Yeah. Battle Royale 2, Yo Yo Gro Cop, Kekko Common Premium. As for your remaining cast members, you had Kenji Otsuki, who played the TV guest. He was also in Common Rider Heisei Generations Final, Build X8 with Legend Rider. Hinako Sakai, who was also another TV guest. Psyche. Psyche. She was in Echo Echo Ar- Arizak, Arizak, um, in both the movie and the show. Spiral, Uzumaki, Godzilla, Mothra, and so King Ghidorah. That's right. <laughs> in King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, Assault Girls, Garo, Makai no, no Hana, and Ultraman X. Norman England, who played Jeff, was in Godzilla 2000, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, Death Note, Zombie Self-Defense Force, Ultra 7X, Ultra Q Dark Fantasy, Tokyo Gore Police, Hell Driver, The Great Buddha Arrival, and Nezra 1964. He also directed The Idol and Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, the documentary, and he covered the Heisei Gamma Trilogy and all the Millennium Godzilla films for various magazines and news sites. You had Shunju Shun, Shungeku Uchida who played captain Tsunagawa who was in Gemini visitor Q common writer sword the movie missing ace and the dream monster you had Dompai common Rider Shuchi- blade
0: not common writer sword <laughs> Are you sure?
1: Yes. Oh, I wonder if the translate screwed yes. up when I Yeah, probably. Donpei Suchihara, who played Captain Kusaga, who was in Gantz, Alien vs. Ninja, and Common Writer O's. And then finally here, oh boy, another long one, Yoji Tanaka, who played Rokuyama, was in Ring Zero Birthday, Red Shadow, Juon, on SF Short Films Return, Alive, Kill Bill, Zeberman, Godzilla Final Wars, the Great Yokai War, Death Note, Death Note L, Change the World, 20th Century Boys 2, The Last Hope, Space Battleship Yamato, Koduko Meatball Machine, Sky High, Sky High 2, the television series, Scary True Stories, What to Do with the Dead Kaiju, and Garo Makai Senki. <laughs> and that is your entire cast and your crew.
0: We had a fair bit of Garo representation this episode. I'm quite happy with yeah. that.
1: Yeah, a lot Certainly of people. Yeah, overall, honestly, this movie's awful. Um
0: <laughs> and it's well, I creepy. Think, I think I think the rating is very or the ranking is very obvious.
1: Yeah, so why don't we go ahead, Rex, why don't you you know start us off for our October ranking? Where would you uh where would you put this one?
0: Oh, well, this one's going straight to number two, down at the bottom.
1: And what would be number one?
0: Well, One Cut of the Dead.
1: Okay. Same here. Um, One Cut of the Dead is is vastly superior in quite literally every... It's a good movie.
0: Yeah. This... Well, this was certainly a movie.
1: It was not a good movie, but it was a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, uh... I think we, uh... I don't know if we could really add much more i feel like we've covered this movie more so than anybody else has and uh and more than it kind of deserves and probably <laughs> have unearthed some creepy stuff
2: yeah
0: perhaps it was a mistake maybe it was i think maybe we've opened was. pandora's back box and there's <laughs> no
1: closing it now God damn. <laughs> well with that i think we can go ahead I mean, unless you have anything else you want to add, I think we can wrap this up.
0: I don't think I want to add anything, I'm going to be honest.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, then, why don't we go ahead and wrap this up? So, Rex, why don't you let the lovely people know where they can find you at?
0: Well, dear listeners, instead of supporting creepy old men, you should instead support me on YouTube, at Rexino, on Twitter, at Rex underscore Zenomorph, and on Instagram, Rex underscore Zeno. And if you want to check out some of my writing, go take a look at the Took Network.
1: And as for me, hello, my name's Elijah. If you want to support me, you can find me on YouTube at ET13 Productions, where you can check out my most recent short film, SOS Seek Shelter. You can find me on Twitter at ET13 Productions, where I post news and just, you know, thoughts on stuff and whatnot. You can find me on Instagram at ET13 Productions where you can see my toy photography. If you want to check out my writing, you can go to kaijuunited.com where all of my writing will now reside. I am also a member of the Monsters with Attitude group. You can check out our YouTube channel, Monsters with Attitude, where we have monthly streams talking about giant monsters. We also have a Facebook group, if you want to join, where we talk about collecting stuff and all the news and all the exciting stuff, definitely recommend it. Outside of that, I also wrote in the book *Giant Bug Cinema: Monster Kids Guide* about Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. You can find that on Amazon, hardcover, paperback, and on Kindle. If you want to support me, go check that out. And I want to say that's all I have now. So definitely go check that stuff out and uh, stay stay tuned as I I have more in the works. So hopefully you guys can. Uh, check more out as it, as it comes through. So yeah. Um, with that, we, uh, we do have a little bit of, of, uh, housework to do a little bit of, uh, covering some exciting stuff. So as at the end of each episode, I bring up how you can leave, uh, a review on iTunes, or you can leave us a review on Spotify. Spotify also has an option where you can talk about what you thought of the episode. It gives you that option, at least on the mobile device. So we did have recently a notification pop-up of a message that was sent 14 days ago as of this recording. So we're we're two weeks behind, but we're covering it now. This was on bonus episode 10, Godzilla minus one, Godzilla zero reveal discussion. It's from user MJ who said in Spanish, la amo, which translates to, I love her. I'm guessing that's about uh, Godzilla. (laughs) Um, Godzilla looks beautiful. Godzilla is a beautiful creature in, in Godzilla minus one. So thank you for leaving that. And, and if you guys want to leave us any, any feedback, you can go do that. You can also remember to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't actually, that's very much a lie. I'm using a MacBook to do this podcast as we speak, but you can rate us on Spotify and just like MJ, you can leave us some feedback on each episodes. If you want to like go right ahead, leave your thoughts on the movie or or a question you have and we'll answer it just like how we responded to MJ's. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, you can follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you, you can email us at KaijuConversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. Eventually, we're going to have original artwork on there. But until then, you can sport our awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even like a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us, you can check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. Recently, in our general one chat, there was a discussion about the most recent cover reveals for Godzilla vs. Hedera and Godzilla vs. Biollante in 4K in Japan through oh, Toho videos. It <laughs> so it's they have a wide range of discussion where we talk about a ton of different things. I doubt it we ever talk about Stacy, but maybe, maybe. I don't know why somebody would, but maybe, maybe one day. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channel like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have the monthly live stream Kaiju Conversation live where me and one other person hop on and just chat about whatever. There might be some more streams showing up in the feed as well covering news and whatnot um with with some of my friends, you know, just kind of, you know, having fun talking about some news, calling it a day, nothing too exciting but something nonetheless. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kerchavesky on the channel, and I definitely butchered his name, so I apologize for that. A huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and all the other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny Demana of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at danzilla93 underscore gnp or visit his website godzillanovelizationproject.com a huge thanks to Grattan conwell from the podcast giant monster bs for composing the music for our theme song you can support him by following the podcast on twitter at giant monster bs or on any podcast platform under the name giant monster bs and with that we're going to wrap up this discussion so thank you guys so much for listening I'm so sorry that you have been... Yeah, this... ...introduced to Stacy, Attack of the Schoolgirl Zombies. Um, It's it's a movie. Yeah. D- don't, don't watch it unless you're really, really interested. And then watch uh, unless
0: it. you're a big fan of exploitation, I guess. But even then you've got better options.
1: Way better options. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat.
0: Life's too short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Conversation. Conversation. His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. Kaiju, baby.
2: And you will too now.